Hey everybody, welcome to Darisha's podcast, Elite Mastery. I created this um, series of podcasts because I felt that um, there's lots of information out there to inspire and motivate individuals like myself and people that I work with uh, throughout the year and all the speeches and talks that I do. So throughout the month and throughout the year, I'll be interviewing people who are experts in their fields and I consider them as masters. Enjoy the show. Mustafa, my dear guest, my dear friend, I've been looking forward to having you here for a long, long time. But um, you live away from Dubai, right? First, hi, hello, Darius, and all the amazing listeners out there who are thank looking you. to develop their life. A great podcast to listen to. So thank you for hosting me. Very well. And uh, yes, uh, excited to be here. I know we've been trying to coordinate this and I pretty much broke free from the system. So till now, as of the time of this recording, I don't have a permanent home. Uh, anywhere I feel like uh, staying, I spend a few months and then I move on to the next city a or next country. Global, global citizen. Yeah, that's but it. you've been spending a lot of time in... Um, Uzbekistan. 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 Tell me about it. It looks so green. It looks. We used to have an office in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, landlocked, right? Uzbekistan. It's a land. Landlocked. It's a double landlocked country. It's only two double landlocked countries in the world. Uh, and uh, Uzbekistan, beautiful, beautiful country, amazing uh, nation. It's been pretty much closed down for the past maybe 30, 40 years. Uh, only in the past couple of years, a new president took over. Previous it president. Was communism. Yeah, it was communism, and it was a, a military research center for the uh, Soviet Union back in the days. Did it have nuclear weapons? Uh, I don't know about this, to be honest with you. But what I know is it was it was closed down until a couple of years ago, and then a couple of years ago, a new president took over and he started liberating the economy, changing the system, and the, the country is going through a very big boom at this point. Do they have natural resources? phenomenal natural resources. The country is has a population of 33 million people. It's a farming country, has clear four distinct seasons, which means the farming you get, you know, every season get a different type of food being farmed. Uh, lots of mountains, lots of phenomenal natural nature, water, natural. I, I mean, water obviously for a double landlocked country is not as abundant as, as uh, countries that have water bodies, but there's a lot of man-made lakes and, and dams and things like that. So it's a beautiful place to be. And I think part of being able to live a passionate life is to actually be able to choose where you want to be and what you want to do. It's breaking free from time and place. And, and this is what I love. I'm, I'm in Uzbekistan free. most of last year. I'm going to be in India next month. I'm in Dubai now. You're moving to Australia later. And that's pretty much what living passionately is about. And your wife, where is she? My wife is Uzbek also. She's going to, I know she's Uzbek, but is she going to stay in Uzbek? She travels with you. She, well, she actually has as, as busy of a schedule as I am. So currently, as, as of we're speaking now, she's in, uh, I think she's in China. So then maybe she's going to Austria, then somewhere else. So yeah, we, we travel like a lot. Ships in the dark, right? Yeah. Us, yeah amazing. Yeah. It needs a solid marriage to, to cope with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, no, knowing what you value in life allows you to also manage your schedules. And reality is, even if you're in the same country, typically, you know, if both are working you rarely get to meet at the end of the day and if you've got kids you know how it is you just sure. life takes over sure i'm proud of you thank you now um we met a good few years ago yeah. and i was looking at working with you and i couldn't afford you right? <laughs> so tell me um tell me from let's say what brought you to do to dubai and how long ago was that I came to Dubai in 2000. That was right after I graduated. I remember it was 15 September 2000. I arrived in the evening. Where did you graduate from? From Egypt. Okay. I studied marketing in Egypt. And uh, 
I, at those days, my family lived in Saudi and they, I got some job offers through my dad in Saudi and I, and I did not feel like that was the place for me. I, I kind of had a, had a feeling that Dubai is the place to be and my gut was right, pretty much. I came here 2000. It had to be a feeling, right? Because there wasn't the skyscrapers There wasn't much, everywhere. no, there wasn't much happening mm. uh, in Dubai. I had come to Dubai maybe five years before that, just on a weekend. My uncle was living here and there was even less back then. But I just had a vibe. I had a feeling. I could I could sense opportunity. You could feel it's one of those places that had a lot boiling. You know the water before it starts boiling. You, you just hear little bubbles yes, coming yes, subtle. Yes, yes. And if and if if you know how to spot opportunities in life, you have to have that sense. Uh, I was watching some interviews with some of the world's top uh, surfers, and they say they sit waiting for a wave, and they could hear the wave coming from very far when nobody else can. So they hit the wave, the right wave. They, the right they, they know how to sense a wave coming. And I knew Dubai had that. I could say the same about Uzbekistan, by the way. There's a lot coming. It's still an undercurrent that hasn't developed into a big wave. Would you do business wave. there? Are you doing business? I am there? doing some work with the government there, with Ministry of Innovation, working on a few tech startups over there. Uh, I'm moving to Australia. I think Australia also, a few cities there have that opportunity. And I think anywhere that's an emerging market is where the opportunity is today. Opportunities are not in mature markets. Mature markets are mature, called mature for a reason. They they've reached all that. Europe, for instance, Europe, yeah. Europe, I think, yes, it's a tough call for Europe mm -hmm. to uh, to know where they're gonna go. You need places with a low cost of living, not much of an infrastructure, hungry population, hungry population people, people that are willing mm -hmm. to work hard. Mm -hmm. You see, so you get a lot of smart people in a lot of places, but a lot of the countries that are mature, people are used to the government taking care of them. It's the countries where you have people that are There's hungry. No yeah, yeah. Pe people that are hungry, that, that governments have not in the past taken care of them, so they've learned to be survivors and they learned to work hard. So if you find the combination of these things, you've got opportunity coming at you. Well, do they speak many languages? Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan the, the main language is Uzbek and Russian, so those are the two main languages. Farsi? They, they kind of, some people understand, mm -hmm. yeah, they get a bit of Farsi and a bit of Turkish. English is probably a fifth language in that case. Really? Yeah. So are you learning? I am picking up some some words that are useful. Well, you get on day. fine. You get on by fine. God bless yeah. technology. And since you, you get something like an Uber over there, they've got a Yandex or my taxi. So I order everything on an app. I order my food on an app. I order supermarket on an app. So my need for communicating is a lot less than, than I thought it I would be. I know you you'd like the countryside. You go hiking. You're walking. You do everything. I, I love nature. Active? I love nature. So I have a I have a target of always hiking once a week when I'm a place that allows it. So fairly in Uzbekistan, you miss a week, but at least you end up doing at least twice a week twice a month sorry so once every other week plus i do my daily workouts whenever i can nature but you weren't always as focused about health and psychology no. and so t tell us i had, 2000, a, I had a, 2000 you came here 2000 i came here you i graduated yeah I, I came here i started as a telesales operator i was uh, selling uh, seats uh, at a conference for mcafee antivirus wow. that was my first job i remember the next job after that was i worked on the launch of bait.com so that was uh, pretty much the the first launch ever in Jitex in Jitex in 2001 for bait.com so after that I went and got headhunted by Leo Burnett to work on the Nokia account Nokia back then was the it sponsor for all the events there was no big events all the concerts in Dubai were sponsored by Nokia I ended up moving from there a few years later my party scene got bigger I went to Leo Burnett and offered to my company and I offered them an idea there was nothing called social media back then it was 2002 I offered them an idea to launch a department called chat attack with an a of the at so it's called chat attack and the main thing was to help Showtime 
get into Saudi. They had they, they needed to promote things what they called director's cut. So that was you know kind of kind of uncensored movies that would air past midnight. There wasn't really anything extreme in it, or anything but like, yeah. but but for Saudi it was it was a lot more than you would see, and there was no cinemas in Saudi at that time. And we realized that social media is the only way to help them promote that. And uh, there was no Facebook then, was there? No, no, there was no. still really everything was really even small world at that MySpace time was bigger. Yeah, MySpace and small world was even bigger at that time, but uh, there was no proper blogging because we, we, we didn't even know what to call these things. Bottom line, Leo Burnett did not buy into it. My, my directors at Leo Burnett at that time they, they literally said, Go back to your work. I thought, you know what. I don't know, we'll think about it. I threw a birthday party at that time, which ended up attracting about 650 people at what used to be Tangerine. Uh, and I thought, listen, if I can get 650 people for my birthday party, I can do something for myself. Next morning I quit and I open up my own event agency. So this is how I got into entrepreneurial uh, place. That being said, I always worked my butt off to as much as if this was my company. And people used to ask me in the company, say, why are you working so hard? It's not your company. I'm like, I, I don't know I any do. other way. Mm. If, I, if I work, I work with passion. It's, it had nothing to do with who am I doing it for. I do it for me. You're a cleaner, you're the best cleaner. That's yeah, Muhammad Ali Klai says yeah. that. You know, if I'm gonna ever, Muhammad Ali Klai, I think he said, if, if I mop the floor, my floor would be the cleanest. So yeah. when you do something, do it with passion. So how long were you in the uh, events business? So we went from four people, started with four people in 2003. My first project ever was a circus show in Qatar, similar to Cirque du Soleil. So you did the whole of GCC, it wasn't Dubai based? No, actually my first job was by coincidence, I was you know hunting for business when I left. You needed you know an entrepreneur, you have to find a way to make things work. I went to Qatar on a, in the Qatar Eid Festival. I was the first non-Qatari company to enter Qatar back in the days. Uh, did a circus show and then after that, brought some of my clients with me. So I started running all the events for Nokia and for HP. We went from four people to 45 people in excess of $10 million turnover by 2008. So in a span of four years, we kind of, I don't know what you call that, quadrupled, multiple, whatever you it is. you enjoy the process? Because you know, it's your baby at the beginning, then it it's, becomes it's, a... It's beautiful. And this is, you know, back into that question about health. It was at the peak of my business in 2008. I was pretty much doing very well, the best, you know, I had a great turnover, had great uh, team. We were literally, for those who know Dubai at that time, we were the IT no agency. More. There weren't many agencies doing events and live communications. Plus, uh, my partners used to own the 400 nightclub, the Cavalli Club. We used to run Deep Nights and Trilogy. Anybody who was in Dubai at that time, these were the only pretty much places worth partying at. And plus a few more. And uh, we basically, that, that got into me, it, it burned me out. I was work hard, play hard. I was working all day, you know, agency work is very stressful and I was partying all night, seven days a week. Eventually I just woke up one day realizing I, I hate my life, it's not for me. It's, I mean, it's, it looks great on the outside, it's very glamorous, glitz and glamour, but it's really empty on the inside. I felt I'm not, I'm not adding value, what am I doing that's worth it. But you were relatively young, because you're still young. But I was you, under 30s, I was, yeah, I was under 30s. For somebody then. to reflect it under 30 is quite deep, isn't it? Yeah, I think sometimes when you reach a point, when you get to the top of the mountain, there's not much further to go. So for somebody you in reflect. my age at that time, if you think about it, turning over multi-million dollars, running running a very successful business. Kind of ticked all the boxes, You right? kind of tick, I mean, yes, it's there's no end to ambition, but I, I think I was, from a business point of view, I was fairly successful. And then I started asking myself, what next? And then if you think about it, I remember one of those moments 
we were invited on a boat at the Formula One. And, you know, the bigger the boats, they're closer to the finish line because they can't be yes. inside the marina. So I was yes. on a yacht. And we were pretty much third or fourth boat. So this is literally the third largest, well, third largest boat in the marina. And, and I was looking on the side and I was looking at the bigger boat. And, so and, and suddenly, yeah. and suddenly, like, I had that How moment. How shallow is this? And, and, right? and I'm like, when is it ever going to be enough? It's not, I mean, it doesn't matter who owns the boat. The reality is you're, you're on a boat of a friend. Eventually, whether it was my boat, me inviting, they, when you're hanging out with friends, you're hanging out with friends. The reality is it was never enough. You're always looking at the bigger boat. You're always looking at the better car. You're always looking at more, 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 more. And that mentality of more is destroying us as people because we're losing our humanity for materialism. And that was kind of a big slap for me saying, you know what? I really, I'm not happy with what I'm doing with my life because no matter what I'm gonna get, I'm still not feeling fulfilled. I'm missing something. And this few years later drove me, you know, I started a search in 2008 for deeper purpose and meaning. Crisis came, I think that also took away all of that and then made me realize, well, it was it never- was that happened. final push you needed, right? It was, it was, yeah, it was the final straw and that made me start reflecting even deeper on a lot of questions. So the agency closed? Once well, you left it, from two, oh, 2008 till 2009 was up and down. We've done a lot of events. You know, we used to do all the Ramadan tents in JBR. There was the parking lot in JBR. And we did all. I remember. The, the last event I actually did before shutting down was the FIFA uh, in 2010. The Ramadan, the Ramadan and FIFA tent. FIFA came around Ramadan that year. And I had President Jimmy Carter come and watch the finals with me. That was literally the last event. After that, we couldn't sustain. We had to shut down the agency. I didn't want to continue in the nightlife scene anymore. So, and this was the only thing making money at that time. Uh, I went on and did consulting with Abu Dhabi government for the Abu Dhabi Science Festival. On the marketing side? We did. Creative. It was the event still. We, we set up the festival. It was the world's largest inaugural science festival. Still not feeling fulfilled. 2012, I went and did Vipassana. Vipassana is 10 days of silence. So you, you, they lock you in a hole for 10 days. You wake up at five in the morning. Not in this country though. It is actually, but they take oh, really? you in the desert. Yeah, but they take you into the desert. It doesn't matter where you are. They, they put you in a hole. You don't leave. Is this the back, is it is an Indian thing? It's originally, it? this is actually the, the Buddhist meditation technique that Buddha used to, to well, achieve cave, enlightenment. Right? We will go into a cave. He actually sat under a tree and they, they say it's about 40 days. So yes. 10 days is actually the intro to get to the 40 days. And in those 10 days, I realized something that most of us did not, you know, until now and until I did that meditation. You were in solitude. It was in silence, but you're not in solitude because it's the first time. So you basically, but you're not allowed to talk to anybody. So there's a lot of people, but you can only talk to your uh, coaches or gurus, but you're not allowed to have conversations with them. The only thing you're allowed to ask is a technical question. So I don't know how to meditate. I'm not sure how to breathe or if I'm sick or where's the toilet. That's pretty much the only discussions you can have. So there's not conversation. It's only survival requirements. Were people allowed to speak with you or no? no. Nobody's allowed to speak to anybody, really? not, not even your mentor. Silence everywhere. 16 no, hours no. of silence a day. You sit and observe your breathing. They just teach you the technique. Uh, and 10 days of that made me realize that I actually did not know who I am. I had no clue who I was. What made you book it in the first place? 
Well, it was that. It seems a bit extreme from nightlife to something. To but but that's when you get when you get so far somewhere and you don't find an answer. Sometimes so you, you have to look searching. somewhere else. I was searching. searching for, remember, from mm-hmm. two thousand and eight till two thousand and ten. Yeah. So and I had heard about this technique two thousand and eight, but it was extreme at that time for me. Twenty twelve. So two thousand and eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. By twelve, it became apparent that there's it's no not escaping. Not that long ago. Seven years ago. Nothing. Seven years ago. Amazing. So so sometimes you see this this conversations that we're having now. Somebody somewhere might hear something and go wow and something will will settle and when it's the time is gonna come somebody's gonna end up using this opportunity and this is why this work is great because you don't know you're just sharing out of you know out of love out of wanting to share you don't know who it's gonna help technology makes it accessible to everybody and uh, when I realized that I realized that we all live our life pointing fingers at others for our own problems Somebody does something wrong, we say it was this person, it was mom, it was dad, it was the community, it was the economy, it was the society, it was my boyfriend, my girlfriend. But we rarely ever look at the person in the mirror. We rarely ever look and say, you know what, I need to to make some changes. And that that was the time for me to say, I need to get to know me. And this is when I decided to buy a one-way ticket to India. So I pretty much 2012, woke up one day, I'm like, you know what, I'm not running from this anymore. Time to go to India. And I just bought a one-way ticket to India. Do you take much cash with you? No, I, I actually took more clothes than cash. <laughs> I remember back, I look back in the days, I'm like, you see, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Arab by birth. I'm Syrian. I lived in Dubai. So this concept of sabbatical and backpacking, these things don't exist. So when we travel, sure. we travel. You know? sure, so I took sure. a, one of those big bags, which I barely ever opened you when I landed off. in India. I, I just got there. I just, yeah, not much cash. I don't know. I had no clear plan. Uh, I knew that obviously when I needed some money, I can pull something out of the ATM and India wasn't that expensive. So I had some savings that would be enough for me to live in India. Uh, looking back at it, I don't know what I was thinking. All I knew is I was fed up and I needed an, an, an answer and an answer inside my head. I remember clearly, I literally woke up one day, I was sleeping and I went like, I woke up in the morning, I'm going to India. Even my brother is like, man, you're crazy. Just keep, you know, get back. I'm literally within a week, within a week from there, I went on, I was in India. East coast, west coast, south, where'd you, where'd you land? I, I bought a ticket to Delhi okay. and that's all I knew. And when I landed in Delhi, I remembered, funny enough, a week before my trip, I met an Indian friend and she said to me, if you love yoga, you have to go to Rishikesh. And that was my first clue. So I, when I landed in Delhi, I literally booked a one night because I arrived at night. I booked one night in a, in a hotel around the airport, which was an experience by itself. <laughs> it, was, it was a first time experience. And I got to the airport and I said, when is the fl- first plane to Rishikesh? He goes, well, there's no plane in Rishikesh. There's, there's no airport in Rishikesh. There's an airport to Dehradun, which is it's a, it's a hill mountain station. So from there you take a car next morning. And that was how the trip started. No plan. I was deciding. So you arrived at the door and then there's what, is it a temple or is it, what is it? I just landed there and I said, I need a hotel. I literally, those, one of those take mm-hmm. me to a hotel. I got in a taxi, take me to a hotel. I went to the first place, second place. I remember he took me to one place. That was pretty much kind of you had people with clothes hanging out on the thing with the lock on the outside door i said that looks good enough for me yeah. and, and i said i called can somebody take my bags and the guy looked at me and said carry your own bag <laughs> i'm like now i know i'm where i need to be i, I need to by this time you've done your 10 days of silence yeah those 10 days were 2012 early on uh, in may 2012. so when is this now in this was later later in, in it's a few months later okay a few months later few okay. months later so you arrived yoga you got introduced to yoga i just get traveling around rishikesh from place to the next but then i realized that um, you know it's 
it was and too you weren't working you weren't working you weren't I, I i just that's it i i made it very clear i no longer I, I need a break it's been it's been i've been in dubai remember since 2000 that was 2012 and it's been 12 years of work hard play hard i'm pretty burned out and you had nobody pulling you back <laughs> parents weren't worried about you you said you've got a brother uh, they, they were they were worried about me my mom every well pretty much later on they saw they saw my my pictures with a with an elephant uh, me wearing the whole uh, ashram clothes and and everybody started going crazy in my country saying you know typical he's discussion converted, he yeah. converted an infidel and he's a mm. you know hanging him on the way and, back yeah yeah so my parents were going crazy everybody was angry but i knew i i needed to pursue my calling and i needed to do what i was feeling was right at that time uh, and that journey at the beginning looked like it was wrong because what had happened is i ended up uh, finding that a lot of what was happening in rishikesh was very commercial which was a bit disappointing because i was finding all of these supposed gurus and ashrams and all these to be just money driven which was disappointing to me and i said mm. to myself you know what you're just having a holiday finish it off your mom is right leave go all back. of this go back home chill uh, but it seems the universe and god had a different plan for me so what happened you meet somebody who was actually by coincidence i'm sitting with a friend of a friend of a friend it was i moved from rishikesh to manali and by f sitting with a friend how of long a are you there now how long is so it's been like a bit over a month now i'm just okay. moving between different towns never missed Himalayas. home you felt india was the right place you were still I seeking i don't know it was one of those times when you just kind of you know you just need to get lost before you find yourself that's a, you need to give up who you are to become who you're meant to be and it was one of those and i was sitting with a friend of a friend of a friend and she goes you know making up a chat one thing leads to the next and she introduces me to a guru uh, just because of my back to to teach me some yoga and she said, this is a real guru. This is not one of those, you know, you back problem. You I, ha back. I have a lot of slip discs because of skydiving, jet skiing, all the extreme sports that I do. I have a lot of back injuries. You still do? I still do, but now because of all the yoga now, it's fairly good. Uh, no, but you still do? I still do yoga. Extreme still, exercise. I, yeah, as, until I heard something else. I just, I just broke a rib boxing, actually. I have a broken rib now, so... So uh, so then I end up meeting the guru. He teaches me yoga. I move on with my trip until I realize that this guy has had been in caves for 13 years. One, three. So I did 10 mm -hmm. days of silence. He did 13 years of solitude and, and contemplation. And this is when I knew that this trip had a lot more uh, for me Wait than I feet. thought it was. Because it's kind of what I came for, but I didn't find it when I was looking for it. It found me. Yeah. And You attracted it. I somehow attracted it attracted mm -hmm. me I just followed the signs and then eventually I went to Osho uh, and when I went to Osho opposite to Osho there's a hospital a few months later by coincidence Osho is a black monument yes uh, no well Osho, Osho Osho is one of those I don't know if you call him a guru he's not really a guru I, I call him a modern day pimp he's a spiritual pimp <laughs> Osho died 19 the ashram is still there Ashram is still oh, you went the Osho there. Center is still the, there. You went to the Osho Center. Yeah, and it's called he's, something else now, isn't it? It's, the Osho Center. It's called the Osho called, International. Wow, yeah, but so he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a spiritual pimp, just to be clear. He's a basically, he's, he's, a, he's a coolest spiritual guy. He calls himself a-spiritual. He, he, he pretty much talks with and against everything spiritual and not spiritual. And it's philosophical. Let's say he's more, he's more philosophical. Um, lots of people don't like him. So you studied him? You studied I studied his... a lot of his work wow. uh, and then... I was planning on going there actually. Is it worth going? Beautiful going. You can go there with an open mind. You will be able to get a lot. It's like everything in life. There's always controversy around everything that's happening. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think or not. I say go in with an open mind. See what benefits you take. Because they have a controversial past. But what I heard was they've got a bit more 
low key and middle of the market no it's a, it's a phenomenal place for you to get a lot of personal development work that's the simplest way i can explain it you want to go chase the drama there's always drama you want to anybody who wants to go there to find out the crazy stuff you can find crazy stuff but guess what that happens everywhere if you go there looking seek and you shall find you go there looking for great personal growth uh, opportunities that place is a great resort with great personal growth opportunities not asking you to become part of a cult not asking you to do what you don't want to do like any place that location has its own rules and regulations when you're there you got to do this you don't do this you don't do that chip in or chip out if you don't like it simple go did you work there or did you no i just went purely for meditation i'm a regular actually i go once a year i love it over there i find a lot of personal growth opportunities it's a beautiful resort so eventually while i was there opposite to that i find i walk into the hospital i get myself checked up and i discover i had a medical condition that was labeled non-curable and in that instance it was a shock for me because till then everything was in the mental space i'm learning about opportunities and challenges and dealing with this and healing and i was you know i was preaching all of that and suddenly you're like oh my god i have to walk the talk i have to walk the talk now and i had to ask myself am i going to be able to do it naturally or am i going to take the meds and i refused to take the meds i went all natural and once i've done all of that i healed within about a month from that condition however it w- it's not about the physical it was through eating meditation you the whole thing uh, all due honesty uh, all of this is great but if you want the truth and the deepest answer it was all emotional work the clean eating is great all the the herbal stuff is great but unless you really tap into the emotional source of what's going on inside you you'd never heal any of the diseases because a disease linguistically comes from two syllables this is a disease is a this is and when you're at this is with yourself a disease develops wow. so the concept was can i get back at ease with myself about that specific topic and eventually i healed all of that and that being said my question was what if this was a cancer what if i haven't discovered it by that time and it would develop to a cancer and that would be the last day of my life did my life really matter and it was that question the legacy that question well i didn't know about it at that time and the only thing was sticking in my head i'm like you know what i would have not been proud of my life yeah. because i was i asked myself if if this was the last day of my life did i live a life that was truly meaningful to me did i do things that were valuable to the world and did i leave any legacy and the answer was no and it was because of that that i decided that okay now i know what i'm looking for because that guru had asked me a question he had a phenomenal character i used to go to him sometimes crying you know crying is that guru from the caves and he'd go like hmm good these tears will purify you so you see when you're with someone like this you know he's got no mercy on you but to help you find the truth and that doesn't come easy yeah. so in one of the interactions with him i'm asking him about life purpose all many of people went to see him Oh. No, he was actually he was a real guru. You see, that's the difference. Uh, Osho, Osho, is a pheno- Osho is phenomenal, and he uh, he appeals to a lot of the masses out there. He knows how to get the the publicity game. You say he knows he's dead. He's been dead thirty years. Yeah, right? well, he knew when he did it. So it's I mean he he's still they've you know, carried content. his message. His legacy is still. Really I mean his content is out there. The sentence the center is still there. But this guru from the caves was one of those there are two types of gurus this is the other opposite extreme unknown lives very simple life 
you cannot find him and even if you find him he doesn't take anybody as a student he kicks away people he's one of those very tough characters so imagine what i'm telling you now you go to him and he's unempathetic so it's not for everybody a lot yes. of people go to him and run away they think he's not you know he's not Maybe he's right. obnoxious he's rude whatever but actually they do that intentionally because they want seekers of truth they want to know somebody's there for the real truth yeah. not somebody looking for a guru and he he asked me asked him about life and things and and he was playing with his beard he says do you know what you are thirsty for because if you do not know what you are thirsty for you cannot quench your thirst and it was that question that came back to me when i discovered about my medical condition and then i healed because the the question was if this was the last day of my life what am i thirsty for and i realized i was thirsty to have impact on people's lives this is what i'm thirsty for mm -hmm. That being said, went on, it became 2013. I woke up one day the same way I came to India. I woke up one day and I'm like, I'm going back to Dubai. My trip is over. I just had a sign, I'm done. I go back to Dubai and I did a talk, only one talk at a TEDx style event. It was a knowledge village, just a free event to share my story, you no know, clear, just like just sharing my story. And a few months later, a random person sees me in Media One Hotel. He goes, hey, you're that speaker guy. I said, yeah. He goes, you did your talk about India. I said, yeah. He goes, you changed my life. Oh, wow. I was, well, that was my reaction, actually. Mm. I was like, yes, that's what I'm thirsty it's for. It's my calling. You see, it's a question of what are you thirsty for? I'm like, I'm thirsty for impact. I don't know how. This is the impact. I want to be able to get more of those. You changed my life. You changed my life. You changed my life. And since then, that drove me to just leave everything and, and go, get on with everything that I'm doing now, which is the speaking, the coaching, the publishing, and helping people that are helping people. So this do, you is have, a, do you have a team of people who work for you? Uh, my interesting answer would be yes and no. I have a team, but I have zero full-time employees. So part of, part of freeing myself from the system is if I have a team in a single country, in a single space with an officer, I'm stuck and I really want to be free. So I employ people all over the world uh, working project-based and I use a lot of online tools to manage them. So I have a lot of people working with me and for me, but not a single full-time employee. So how do you juggle it all? That requires a total different lifestyle. I know I've worked for you recently because you're actually uh, in charge of making me, forcing me, <laughs> yes, organizing I'm, I'm, me to I'm, write my book, and, right? And it's the same and way. I'm, and I know you do, you're actually looking after many other authors. On top of that, you've got your many other businesses. So yeah. how do you balance it all? Because I'm struggling just to write my own book. Yes, and, and but if you've seen, when you work with me, I'm fairly structured Very and systemized. Much. I'm on the dot with time. I'm on the dot with deliverables. I manage my time well. So there, there is a new set of skills that you need to develop. So as much as generally everybody's talking about leadership skills and all of this, and that's great when you need to be in an organization. If you want to be an entrepreneur that breaks free from the system, you need to learn a different system. And that system is about agility, mobility, and, and mental fitness so you need to know how to manage yourself first I have very specific schedule and rituals every single morning that I do my best not to skip I aim for seven days a week even if I end up with five I'm good but I'm fairly disciplined if you don't have self-discipline this lifestyle is not for you because typically when you get in a car drive to to work you get into the office you get in the mindset of work for me, my backpack is my office. My laptop, I open where I'm in the metro, I'm sending emails. I'm, so you gotta learn how to be mobile, you gotta learn to be how to be scheduled. But you're relaxed, you're not intense. No. I know you're focused, I know yeah. you're systemized, I know you, you're very disciplined, but 
is it taking away your happiness? You still, you say you do rituals. Do you still meditate? I, I meditate every um, morning, every morning. What time do you wake up in the morning? On average, about six, if I'm lazy, seven. So between five and six uh, on average, but when I'm lazy, seven o'clock. And then you meditate? The first two to three hours are untouchable for me. So basically up until about nine o'clock, I don't do anything outside things for me internally. So I first I wake up, uh, I just do some breathing meditation. So I first I do my prayers. Then I do some breathing meditations. I do some focus meditations. Then I do a visualization or what I call a passion meditation. Actually happy to give it away to all your listeners. So we'll put it on we'll give it to you. You can give it to everybody to upload. This is a meditation that I designed. It takes anywhere. I mean, it's a 15 minute if you do in full or seven minutes if you want to skip the intro once you know it. And it's a visualization technique that makes me put in my mind what I want to get. So like, let's say I'm working on getting a lot of more authors doubling our target. So we've hit 30 authors in one year from launching the publishing company. That's unheard of. This is, by the way, on top of me having my speaking and my coaching and living between multiple countries. So and juggling yeah. a lot of personal challenges. And you haven't really promoted this word of mouth and doing good job. Networking. I mean, focus, mm. focus. It's, quali- it's quality, not quantity. So once I do this, all of these meditations, then I go do some sort of a workout, which could be either if I, when I was in Uzbekistan, I would go to the park, I would do a jog and yoga. Uh, now I'm here I'm in a hotel I go up to the gym I do again jogging and some weights with a broken rib now I'm not allowed to do any hardcore physical activities and I said I'm not going to stop working out so I do cardio and any moves that don't put pressure on wow. my ribs because if, if you let go and as you progress I'm 42 now so you see as back into the health discussion you learn the value of your health as you, you go with older. the years and as you get older so really Staying fit is important, and that mental fitness comes also with physical fitness. You can't be mentally fit if you're not physically fit. So all of this, I come back, do my shower, have my tea, start like just a tea for to chill, get ready. All of this takes me about two to three hours every morning, but then when I'm starting at nine, I'm on fire. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't consume coffee out of need. If I ever drink a coffee, it's because I would like a cold brew, special brew coffee, just out of being a connoisseur of something. But without coffee, I start at like nine, I finish by nine or 12 nonstop, I'm on fire, no coffee. I actually avoid coffee because it makes me jittery. When do you have your breakfast? What's in here? Breakfast mostly is... Because you're in is, really good shape, you're not yeah, carrying excess weight. No, I'm okay, I'm, I manage my food very well, I'm mostly plant-based. Well, I'm, I've been vegetarian since 2012, uh, and well, pescatarian. And since last week, I kind of decided to go towards being fully plant-based. So I'm now cutting back on all fish. I haven't eaten any fish. I'm eating maybe some dairy, a little bit of dairy, not cheese, just lebne yogurt for me is something I love and, and a little bit of eggs every now and then. But I'm going fully plant-based now as of probably end of this year. So, oh, so once you do these things, you see now your body and mind are in shape. And the next thing is I tackle the whole day based on the plan from the day before. So I prepare everything I'm going to... Organized. Work. I prepare everything I'm going to wear from the night before, which is not a, very complicated. I just you know, have a very simple wardrobe now that is very mobile. Lots of white shirts, okay, a few bow ties, lots of white shirts for the formal. I wear lots of Lululemons and yoga clothes and things so like that. So you don't that. have to think about it? No, I mean, even if I do, I still like a little bit of fashion. I'm not, I'm not Steve Jobs or these guys wearing black t-shirts all the time. I, I like a little bit of you know, good looks for, you know, it helps also with the stage presence, sure. but I prepared the night before. So I don't deal with thinking in the morning. Morning I wake up, I'm on autopilot. My shoes is next to my bed, by the way. My sports shoes are with the socks inside them. So I wake up, my, my socks are inside the shoes. I've got no excuses. I turn my foot down, I put my socks, I get on and I get out. So all of this happens the night before. So I don't sleep till I do all of these things. You got no excuses in the morning. No, because it's always so that, it's that the contemplation is what eats up the time when you're so lazy and tired. So it's preparing all of that from the night before. So now I have a, everything automated. 
Uh, and then as I progress with the day, I have a schedule. So now I'm running on schedule. I tackle everything that I need to tackle. I have everything scheduled with my team. So I have a, a conference call with every single group of teams that I've got. So I've got a marketing team, I've got a publishing team, I've got a finance team. So I got one weekly call at least with each of them scheduled either on a Friday or on a Monday. So those are already locked in my calendar. Uh, I've got calendars that are automated. You've used that before. Yes. So anybody needs to book an appointment with me, they just click and book. So I look at my schedule, I see what I've got. Uh, I put three things that I need to finish that day in the morning. So I say today, by hook or by crook, I don't care what happens, this has to be done. So anything that comes along the way, if it gets, wait. if I have to make a compromise because the day you know goes crazy and we're all on the reactive sometimes, then I start to saying, listen, if this is gonna kill this, I'm sorry, I can't do it anymore. So then I focus on at least those three things that need to be done by that day, no matter so what. There's a sense of accomplishment. It's a sense of progress because sometimes you, you spend your day very busy. Reacting. At the end of the day, you're like, Achieve oh my God, nothing. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I work so hard. That's busy for busy. You know that works when you're an employee because you can kind of justify being in the office. That works when you've got a team who runs around and you're in the office. You can scream at some people and they run and do work for you. But when you're running a virtual organization like I do, it doesn't work. because do, if you find I your, do you find your sales suffered because you're not around face-to-face -face meetings? Actually, I'm doing phenomenal on my sales now. It's, it's my sales is also systemized. So I have multiple channels for my sales. I have a LinkedIn funnel. So I have teams that, that are supporting me on reaching leads. And I personally work on a lot of this. I haven't reached a place. I have a team that reaches out to about 2,000 uh, touch points leads every single month for me on LinkedIn. But once the initial messages are out, I actually respond to every single one personally. So when a message comes back in, I'm checking my messages and I'm the one personally responding. So it's real. It's, it's not automated. No, it's no, not no. personal. Th there's this just one part of the push getting out. But once there's a response, I personally take care of all of those responses. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's why it's important to be scheduled. People think, oh, I can't keep up. Well, listen, guess what? I got 24 hours a day, you got 24 hours a day, Bill Gates got 24 hours a day. And guess what, Bill, Bill Gates spends it wisely. Bill Gates reads 100 books a year. Yeah. If he can find time to read 100 books and then some people tell me, I don't have time, well, I'm sorry, you have the same amount of hours as a president and as, as a taxi driver. You know, everybody's doing great in their life to their abilities, but if you really want to grow, you have to up your skills if you want to leave your situation now. And that takes a lot of agility and that's hard work. The problem is nobody wants to do the hard work. At the beginning, look, now I'm at a space where I'm able to flow with it. I'm in any taxi, I don't waste because I think there's seven minutes to my destination. That's one email. I pop my laptop, connect tethering to my phone, draft an email, shoot an email out. That's one email out. So I can get to my evening. And by the way, I still have time to finish early, go in the evening, do my hobbies, do my sports, watch my documentaries, read my books. But what I do is instead of reading, I listen to Audible. So now when I'm in the gym, that hour in the morning is an hour of consumption of books and, and workout. Physical, yeah. So you see, I double up on a lot of things. If I'm people waste time, people waste a lot of time on social media. You'd be, you'd be shocked at how much people waste on social media unknowingly. They get sucked into it. And this is why, why actually San Francisco, the, the Silicon Valley guys, they have a holy Sabbath where they don't touch digital. It's a digital detox. They don't touch social media. They don't even touch mobiles. So you have to learn to manage your life social media is phenomenal if you know how to use it you know why? what about peer group because you seem to be self-driven self-sustaining focused yeah. and country hopping yes what about the peer group beautiful question so this is what i call in in my book i call this uh, the passion tribe so the passion tribe you need a passion tribe and what i realized is from my party days is you cannot have a party on your own 
So really, I want a passionate life. Now, in my case, I'm a bit extreme. That's, I don't know, level five, six, seven is I said, well, I'm going to create a business that creates a passion tribe around me that I like. So yes, as much as we knew each other before, but we got closer because now you want to be on a similar mission. You want to write a book. So now you're part of the passion tribe. I have 30 authors already. By next year, I'm going to have 100. Guess what my peer group looks like? All of them are thought leaders. All of them are people making impact and like-minded people, people on a mission. So you can create your own passion tribe. And yes, you do need a passion tribe because if you're going to hang out with the same old friends, you're going to get the same old results. Not to, I'm not telling you just kick out everybody from your life, but everybody has a space. Nostalgia is beautiful, but if you live in nostalgia, it'll stay in nostalgia. Your, your high school friends are not the same people because you're not the same person. You want to follow them, feel free. You want to be a leader, let people follow you. So you create your own environment, go seek people on a similar wavelength, people on the same journey. So I say in the Passion Tribe, you need people either that have similar goals and aspirations. So if you're trying to leave your job, hang out with people who are trying to leave their job for the right reason, to start a business, yeah? If you want to change the world, hang out with people that want to change the world. So people on similar goals and missions, people that have similar aspirations, uh, people also what you need is you need a group of professionals in your life. You see, I hang out with a lot of coaches and mentors that are better and smarter than me all the time. It's, uh, John Martini calls it standing on the shoulders of giants. You need to find people better than you. If you ever find yourself to be the smartest person in the room too many times leave the room you are wrong in the way you're doing your life because it feels great for your ego you are the smartest but you're never going to grow you need to be somewhere where you feel everybody else is smarter than me because only then you learn so when you create a combination of all you gotta look very deep because i meet people who through their insecurity got huge egos yeah true well, you got to be real with yourself. you got to look in the mirror and make that decision. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck. Well, stuck that's, in that that's room. one of the things when I started coaching with you, I, I asked you, you're going to make three commitments. You have courage, humility, and discipline. Courage to look in the mirror and face who you really are. So you really got to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm full of shit. I'm, I'm not actually who I think I am. If I really want to be as disciplined as I am, I am lacking on my changes. meditation. I am lacking on my work. I am lacking on XYZ. So you got to really be able to deliver on what you are saying you are going to deliver and that takes a lot of courage and that's courage not courage outward by pointing it at people and saying oh i'm courageous courage is to look at the mirror and say it's me Mm, absolutely yeah who are you coaching now are you coaching CEOs? Are you coaching? Tell me who you coach. Who are your ideal my, clients? I know you pick and choose your clients. My, you don't work ideal, with everyone. Yeah, I'm very, very, very picky. I, I hope I got to a point of my life where I can do that. And, I, and an ideal client for me is what I call a passionpreneur like me. A passionpreneur is an entrepreneur of passion and purpose. People who are on a mission to change the world and have amazing time while they're doing it. That doesn't mean you compromise on either sides of your life. So it's not that I have to be very spiritual and let go of the material or just chase the material. I say in God we believe, but people take cash. So the, the game is how can I, how can you save the world when you can't serve yourself? How can you serve the world when you can't pay your rent? It doesn't work. Why do you think it's a, when people come to you, do they want more money? Do they want happiness? Do they want more fulfillment? One of, one of actually the ways I came up with the whole passionpreneur thing mm-hmm. is I had a guy come up to me and wanting me to coach, at, especially at the time when I got named by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. He named me as one of the top 100 coaches in the world. Then that drove me a lot of corporate people coming and saying, would you coach us? And I asked one person, why do you want me to coach you? He's an entrepreneur. He said, oh, I want to be rich and famous. And I cringed. I was like, that's not really that's not really what I want to be doing. Because I didn't go to India and come back just to come back to the same scene I was in. I was like, how can I differentiate? Because he's an entrepreneur. I cannot take that away from him. And I'm like, no, 
A passionpreneur is somebody who has true passion and purpose because passion is purpose. So he has a true passion and purpose to serve and change the world. Along the way, you can get rich, you can get famous, you can get powerful, you can do whatever, but that's not the main driver. So you that's educated him through his goals, through what he wanted. I work with them if they have it, but I can't mm -hmm. give it to them. You see, I can't give you purpose if you don't have purpose. We connect it because you have your own purpose. You're trying to do what you're trying to do, then I can help you. But I cannot, it's, still, it's not my job and it's just too much for me because at the level that people are working with me, my ideal clientele is, you know, 35 years plus. At that age, 35 to 45, 50 range, if you have the purpose, you have the purpose. Maybe if that person got inspired by one of my talks and works, I work with them. Searching. If I could ignite it, but I, that's not typically part of the work because my new book called Live Passionately is talking about that. My online talks, my workshops, my, there's a lot of content out there. So typically people who come to me would have already been on a journey seeking that passion and purpose. And this is what keeps me going. Because remember, I did all of this because of a random guy who said, you changed my life. And now if I don't get an unsolicited, you changed my life once a week, I know I'm doing something wrong. This week, luckily, I got two already, randomly, oh. saying this is the next person I'm meeting after the interview. Somebody who says, you know what, thank you very much. Since I met you, I knew I had to stop listening to the wrong people and pursue my calling and passion, and things have been happening for me since then. Now, mm. that being said, that person was determined. They were willing to bite the bullet. They were willing to work hard, and things started working for them. So it's a long-run game, not a short-run game. So Life's people hard. are passionate. Life's hard. Life's not easy. You know, well, here's what's interesting. Do you know where the word passion comes from? Passion comes from Latin passio. Passio means to suffer and endure. Hmm. Think passion of the Christ. That's passion. You don't, you don't people think passion, oh, you know, fun and everybody, everybody easy, in this, unfortunately yeah. in the self-development industry is trying to sell you that, oh, when everything becomes effortless and flow and easy, you don't develop muscle by, by easy. You develop muscle by going Pain, and working hard. It up. Not it's to say that you have to bring hardness into your life, but it takes work. Absolutely. It takes hard work. You have to work hard. Growth so, change I have painful. not met a single, you know, I've conducted 160 of those, what you're doing, 160 face-to-face -face with some of the world's top experts, coaches, Olympians, artists, Nobel Prize winners. Not for once, not once one of them said it was easy. easy. Not one. And out of 160 face-to-face, -face, and I bet you if I would continue, I wouldn't find one. Everybody's trying to sell something that says it's easy. Work it, smart, not easy. hard. It doesn't yeah. work, man. There is no, you know, you know the thing about, I, I did an episode particularly about working smart, and here's the thing. How can you work smart until you work hard to become smart? Become smart. Exactly. Yeah. you got to the, put the, the hours smart. in. you got to... Study. You know it yourself, man. I mean, the first time you met, we met, you told me a story. It didn't come easy. Yeah. You had to work hard. People, people, people only look at the luxuries that you got. People look at the lifestyle, but they don't look. They don't remember you when you're waking up at six o'clock in the morning. Mustafa, I didn't have a car. A door knocking in the heat. People didn't want to work for me because they didn't have an office. They didn't share the vision. It's a lot easier. People join you. We got a nice board. Till right? today, my friend, I, life is hard. I'm telling you. I'm. I get on sometimes. I'm on a metro. Okay. Yeah, I, it means I'm because I'm traveling mobile all the time. I want to stay. I'm on a metro and I'm working. Yeah, people are on the metro, are chit-chatting on WhatsApp and chit-chatting on messages. I am working. So it, why? Because I'm passionate about what I do. So you see, I'm not saying work hard at something you don't like. Work hard, work really hard when you know that you are on passion. How do you find, lots of people are seeking, right? Yeah. How do they find? Something Beautiful. they're passionate about. Well, first thing, they, the, first thing, listen to podcasts like yours, these mm -hmm. podcasts, uh, follow a lot of my content. That's all I talk about is passion. So look me up on the internet. My new book, Live Passionately, is, is all about how to discover your passion. But if I'm going to give everybody that's listening Please. two questions that they can run now to start that journey of finding their passion and call, calling. First question is, 
I'd ask everybody, unless you're driving, yeah, to close your eyes, okay, take a deep breath, and imagine a checkbook in front of you, and then that check, write your name, and in the date space, write the date of today, whatever the date is, and in the number space, write one billion dollars, that's one and nine zeros. And then write one billion dollars in letters. See that check signed, tear it and hold it in your hand. How does that feel? You got a check in your hand, current dated today for one billion dollars. That amount of money is enough to buy anything you want. You can try any projects. All your family, loved ones are taken care of, no financial worries. Several generations. Your power, you have power to do whatever you want in the world. Now, would you still do what you're doing? And if not, what would you be doing? That answer is the beginning to finding your passion. It's a good question, isn't it? I call it it's the billion quality, dollar question. Yeah. That's actually that's actually part of the exercises that are, is that's in my book, Live Passionately. The second question is now that you find that answer, my question to you is can you guarantee living another week? No. Another day? No. Another no guarantee until the end of this interview? No. Well, what are you waiting for? Go pursue no. your passion because if not today, you know how do you know nothing. you're gonna be here tomorrow to do it? People are waiting one day to get safely to the grave sitting so they can finally get a big retirement check after living safely yeah get get a big retirement check buy a house overlooking the beach contemplating and talking about how beautiful of a life it could have been that's not the way to live life man life is a roller coaster ride with ups and highs and downs and lows and wins and loses and when your body's going down the grave your soul is screaming wow what a ride and when you live like this when you live with so much passion only then you know it was a life worth dying for because when you know what you're born for you'd be willing to die, die for, for it, it. Everything else is irrelevant. Do you know one thing I've noticed with you is nobody's ever come giving you a check for nothing. You always earned it, right? Not a rich background, no uh, silver spoon, bone with the silver, nothing. No, even, even if it is, in the palm of, you everything have to got work taken away. Even, the, even what I worked for got taken away during the crisis. I had to reset yeah, myself Yeah, but you earned it, scratch. right? You've had your ops, you had your seasons, you had your days, you had the nights, winters, summers. Yeah. And, and it's a blessing in disguise because had it not been for the crisis, I would have not discovered that calling that I've got and I would have not become the agile I am. And I can tell you today, I'm 10 times happier than I was because Absolutely. today I am the way I would like to be. I am the way living the life. Living by I'm your pretty, values as well. I, right? I know I'm on values, my network. I enjoy my network. It's more thought leaders. I mean, imagine just my publishing network. Today is at 30 authors. I'm targeting 100 authors by next year. Imagine we have a hundred handpicked group of like-minded people changing the world. Doesn't that, that make me feel? I mean, I'm in the WhatsApp group, right? And it's such a nice group. I mean, many WhatsApp groups. That group is so nice. I get it. Yeah. You know them all. I don't know any of them. You I'm still just will get to meet them soon. But you know what I'm saying? It's you, you can feel just, everybody's uh -huh. on mission. Everybody's exactly. on mission. So even look, like, and people are people. There'll always be friction. There'll always be that. Even the family. You know, you have fights. You have arguments. Still love each other. But it's different to have it with someone you, you really believe. We don't see eye to eye in what life is and why are we in life. And the more you progress with life, you realize this could be taken away from you. I do a lot of extreme sports. So separate from my medical incidents every incident of me jumping out of a plane to do a skydive there's an opportunity i'm not gonna make it and if you think about it in that angle you go you know what i better make this day worth living exactly. and and i want to make sure i'm leaving enough impact in this world and i know whatever i've done is going to last beyond me because none of the money none of the cars none of the parties none of all of that as beautiful as it is going to go down with you down the grave Absolutely. you end up in a two by one meters what's left is what you leave on this planet and what you leave on this planet should be purposeful enough that people say you know what this person was here because i learned 
passionate people do not wait for life to happen to them, they happen to life. And living passionately is about you leaving your mark in this planet, not just pursuing the momentarily joys. Not do you fear death? Because hmm? you're doing so much in this life? I, I think without death, life has no meaning. I mean, actually, by you talking about life, you are talking about death, because there is no life without yeah. death. If you are born, the minute you are born, the polarity of life, you are yeah. meant to be dying. So imagine you are born with the concept of death tagged into it. East and west, sun and moon, day and night, the, the world is polarity, male and female. This is part of the polarity of life, the yin and yang sign. So really death is part of life. And Have you ever thought of being a father? Of course, I mean, I did. I just got married recently, so... Uh, so you, you want to be a yes, father, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Not, not just that, to be honest with you. I imagine you'd be an amazing I, I, I would love also to... I, I have a lot of affection for orphans. I sponsor a lot of orphans. And wherever I go in every single country, I go into orphanages and I try to do whatever I can to support them. And it makes you realize how blessed we are. Because when you realize how much we have... And when some of these kids, all they want is a family, a home. You know, we, we had a wish tree in one of the events and we did a work with the orphanage in Uzbekistan and we had a wish tree. And, and you know, some of those, I mean, funny, funny, the top two requests, one of them was headset. <laughs> it was interesting. But separate from the funny one, a lot of them just put a sticker. I says, I want a mom. I want a dad. It just makes me, when I call my mom and dad, I'm like, listen, I speak to them every day. I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing, how spoiled we are. We think we don't yes. have much. So when you realize how much, how much goodness you've got around you, yes. you start saying, you know, maybe today I need to do something for someone else. And this has been my kind of mission for the past maybe three or four years. When people ask me, what are you doing on your special day? My birthday is always some sort of social service work. I go to an orphanage. I go to the street to labors, wherever I am in the world, I go find something that I do for someone else because I'm living such a passionate life all my days that I feel actually guilty that my birthday has to even top that up because I don't know how to top up how I'm living my yeah, it's life. It's a birthday every day for you. It's my birthday every day, but those days I really want to feel I'm doing something special because that day makes me feel that I've just that for one day I've done a little bit extra good to the world rather than consuming, which I'm doing a lot of the other it's days. beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Congratulations. No, thank you. And thank you, you for all the amazing work you're thank doing. Thank you. Um, you promised the audience a, a gift. Yes. I, I actually, I pro I'll promise a few gifts. One of them is I'll, I'll give them uh, a, the passion journey meditation. So that's to get everybody kickstarted. It's a 15 minute meditation. Basically, all you got to do before you do the meditation for one time, visualize a goal in your mind put a date on that goal and describe when, where, how, who, what you're with. So you say, okay, I am, I am, it's 2020 for me, it's 2020. I am in Burj Al Arab or a better hotel with a hundred of our authors celebrating, shaking hands, taking pictures. And I visualize the sounds, the smells, the feelings, the people around and that, Meditation takes you through that. It guides you through that for 15 minutes. So I'll give everybody that. They can download it. And How can I, they get hold of that? Uh, I can, if they would go to mustafa.com, okay, forward slash, uh, it's passion tools or bonuses. I'm going to give you the actual URL. So when they go to the podcast. Yeah, we'll have, uh, at the bottom, we'll have the they, text. There will be. So, so that they basically go into to mustafa.com forward slash, I think it's passion tools or bonuses, whichever the URL is. And then there's a box there. They should typically buy the book and put a code. I'll give you the code now. The code is actually seven sevens. 
So it's seven, 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 seven times. Uh, and that resembles for me 7.7 7. 7 million people that I want to inspire to live passionately. Oh, that's that's my goal. goal right? Yeah, that's, that's my goal. So God bless his soul. Actually, it, it was brainstormed with me and Professor Tony Buzan before he passed away. Yes. So, so put that number. You're going to be able to download the Passion Journey Meditation. You. And you're going to be able to actually also download a PDF that Takes, helps you take your passion into a business in seven simple steps with zero capital up front. So, so that, and then you can you know, get into Passion Group and you can follow me on the social media. And you can if reach somebody out to wants you. to work with you or have you as a coach, how do they contact you? Because I know literally, literally hundreds of thousands, even millions of people are trying to contact you. We do, how and I, get, we're very yeah. selective on who I work how with. So if somebody through? is, first thing is you check with yourself, are you truly on passion and purpose? Because that's the first you're thing. Gonna drive them, because right? I'm going to check that. If, if you don't have that, I'm not going to be able to work with you. And if so, you can send an email to my PA. That's a passion, my passion assistant. It's PA at Mustafa.com. So that's PA, PA at Mustafa, M-O-U-S-T-A-F-A.com. Perfect. Thank Amazing. you very much. I would love to have you back here. I would love to. Sometime next year. When is your next time, next visit? How long are you staying here now? I'm here for a few weeks and then out probably back in next year. So you said sure. you're going to move to Australia. Move I'm to live. relocating to Melbourne. Oh. So Melbourne, uh, here I come. Lots yeah. of passion coming your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when is that going to be? It's happening end of this year. So 2020 will be a Melbourne I wish you all the me. best of luck. But I'm going to see much. you early next year we will done inshallah. I'm going to be talking to you and you're going to kick my ass about my book all and the time. yeah so so he's holding himself accountable that he's going to have his book next year that's 2020 his target he's going to hold his book in his hand and he's going to do some nice work with all of you around his book this guy's got a phenomenal story to Thank tell you. so he that's your mission to get it your is. story out it is I feel it um, here's the thing some endorsements because working with you obviously I had to pay Okay, the value I've already got without even launching the book has been massive. So whoever's thinking about actually writing a book or been thinking about it, they should, they must. It's a must to work with you because you've blown me away. And I have worked with several companies, Europeans, uh, Indian companies to help me to write the book, but I've never had somebody like you and your organization. So Thank you very much. Eternally grateful. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Live passionately. Thank you. Thank you.